You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, last week, just to sum up last week, we can, we can sum up last week and all that we talked about in Ephesians 4 verse 4. There is one body. One spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. By grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We have been given, we have been called into one by one, for one, and in that one, we are members one of another. We are made for one another. We are meant to be a part of each other's stories. What I can offer you and what you can offer me, we are meant to encounter within one another. It's not supposed to be this thing that we never get to experience, but we are meant to encounter one another. We are meant to be a part of each other's stories. When I need help, you're supposed to be there. And when you need help, I'm supposed to be there. I'm supposed to be a part of it. We're supposed to be a part of it. We are members one of another. My life, my life is better with you if you are for me. And your life is better with me if I am for you. And I am for you. And I know that you are for me. Our community is better when it knows that we are for it and never against it. We talked about this in Sunday school. He has always been for us, so who are we to stand against one another? Who are we to take a stand against somebody else that He has not taken a stand against? He is for us. All things are made for Him and through Him. Everyone is included in the all things. We are made for one another and we are to stand with one another. That is the will of God. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, you being set apart and made holy, Together. We are, be, we are to be set apart and made holy together, but I must take the first step individually, right? Anything I desire to see corporately must first happen individually. If I, desire it to, if I desire to see it in this room, it must happen in my heart first. I must step into the will of God and I must remain there. We've, we've heard this example. This is I'm a visual person, so I thrive with visual examples. I'm not one of those people that can read the instructions on the paper and be good to go. I need to see somebody do it, and then boom, ready to go. And so Randy, in his wisdom, knowing that I'm a simple creature, and I need, I need drawings and pictures and pop-ups, um, describes the will of God as a backyard. A backyard that we get to exist in. There's freedom in the backyard. Just as my children would play in their own backyard, they can go jump on the trampoline. They can go kick the soccer ball. They can tackle each other off the trampoline. They can do all of these things. And I can be digging a hole. And they can come join with me. And sometimes I'll ask them to join with me. And sometimes I won't. They just get to come and join. There's freedom in the will of God. It's not this rigid and rough and hard to stay on road, it is this free and wonderful place that we're meant to exist in, that we're meant to blossom in. We get to exist in the will of God, and the will of God, if you'll just stay with me here, is to be this backyard that we have complete freedom in. The will of God is not sitting around waiting for marching orders. 
You know who you are and you know who you've been called by. And you know what you're here to do. You're here to establish the kingdom of heaven. If you don't know, if you don't, if you're walking through life not knowing what your purpose is, I'll give it to you right now. Establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That's it. You start doing that, you'll find the specifics in which you were made for. I promise. You will find the specifics in which God has ordained and appointed you to specifically establish the kingdom of heaven, but just start by walking forward to establish the kingdom of heaven. That is our purpose here on this earth, in the will of God, in this backyard. So that's the, that's the will of God. But remaining, remaining in the will of God is the tricky part. Turn with me to John uh, 15. Our, this is the abide passage. You've heard this taught in here many, many times. It'll be on the screen. John 15, verse 4. Abide in me. Abide, that word means to remain in. So remain in me. This is Jesus speaking. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from him, we can do nothing. We are to be what grows from Jesus, operating, originating in the vine, and that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes consistency. A branch does not just grow because we want it to grow. It doesn't turn into this full, massive branch coming out of the tree because we want it to. It takes time. It takes consistently this consistency of it working towards growth, this moving towards the sun. So with that, and understanding that the will of God is not this thing we're supposed to check in and check out of. It takes time. We're meant to dwell within it constantly. Constantly, We're made for it. We're not made to be a part of it, apart from it. So then, with that said, why do we not stay in the will of God? Is this really, it's, it's a simple question. And there's simple answers to it, but we are made, it's really a simple conversation. If you are made for something, why not just remain in that? It's kind of like a no-duh, right? If you've got a cell phone that's not waterproof, maybe keep it out of the water, because that's what the instructions say. It's not made to be a flotation device. But what we do, we're like, yeah, right. We chunk it in. And that's what we do. For some reason, we make this so complicated, but it's not complicated. Remain in the will of God because that's what you're made for. But why then do we have such a hard time with it? Do you know right now this morning if you're in the will of God? Again, why do we not stay? Well, one reason is we are not comfortable in that place and we stay where we're comfortable. We stay with what's familiar. Because a lot of us did not grow up in the will of God. We discovered it later in life it's a lot more comfortable to stay in what you're familiar with, right? We see so much of this in the church. The Holy Spirit dwells in the will of God, is the will of God. And sometimes he's a little unpredictable. Sometimes you can just be going about your day and he's going to require something of you, and that's uncomfortable. But we're to be comfortable being uncomfortable, right? Why do we not stay? Well, it's partly because of the word that you just heard. 
The will of God has to do with who, where, what, and how. Sarah uh, shared with us a passage from a book. I don't know what it was. She had to do something for baby, and so she was in a hospital for three hours. I mean, not like in the, she was sitting in a room waiting on things. She wasn't hospitalized. But she was there for three hours. You can't leave. Um, and so she's reading, and she shared this, this passage from this book. And this part stood out to me so profoundly. And he's talking about the will of God here. But we ask this question of why, and that will always remove you from the will of God. You are not meant to know the answer to that question. And this is what he wrote that was so profound. Why knows no arrival to its destination this side of heaven? We are not meant to ask this question. It is a question we ask most often, but we can't handle the answer too. Turn to Isaiah 40. We'll be in verse 10. It's again this conversation of if we're made for it, why are we not consistently in it? And this is the, other, this is the opposite. You are not made for this question, so why do we continually ask it? Right? This is the question I find most often when people are dealing, when I'm counseling or people are dealing with turmoil or, or difficulty, difficult circumstances, loss of a loved one, different things like that. Their first question every time is, why God? Why God? What does that question, because I know every one of us in here has asked that question. Every one of us. The guy with the mic included. What does that question create in you? Does it create peace? Does it create understanding? Or does it create turmoil? It creates turmoil. It creates a wrestling. It creates doubt and uncertainty. Isaiah 40, verse 10. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? And taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. And are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before Him. They are accounted by Him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with Him? We are not meant all that to say. This is the God that we serve. So where in this do you find room for us to ask why? In our ability to understand it. Because the God that can pick up the entirety of the earth, it's like a fine dust. 
is the one that is operating and moving in power and authority and using us. And he's been using us and he's had this plan for Shorty. He's going to exist in this time. And he had that plan before the dawn of time. So he understands why. How can we? I'm all that to say, why wrestle with a question that you do not have the capacity for the answer? Because all it does is it removes you from the will of God and you miss God. You miss how He comes. You miss what He's doing. You miss what He's... There are people that have built their life around that question. They have walked away and they will never come back because they will never find an answer to that question. Something has happened. They asked, why God? And then they left because they could not find a suitable answer. But it was because there was no answer suitable for them. There was no ability for them to comprehend the fullness of that question. Or the answer that they would get, why did this happen? God, why did you do this? He didn't. They don't like that either. They don't like understanding that tragedy is just tragedy. And it's not orchestrated by this higher power that wants this kid to get hit by a train. That's just not in the Father's heart. And that wasn't the will of God for this person's life. But God in His sovereignty works all things for the good of those that love Him. But tragedy still happens. Tragedy still happens. But all that to say, there's a lot of misteaching that goes on in the church today. And one of the big ones is our inability to understand why we are not supposed to ask the question of why. This is the God that we worship. He is the only one who can handle the why. We don't really compare to everything we just read about Him. But we can carry His presence. Amen? The one that we just described in Isaiah 40, 10 through 18, read it again. The one that we just described in this passage, you carry Him with you. Get your mind around that for a second. That can measure the world as dust on a scale, but He dwells within you. You are His temple for which His presence dwells. That doesn't make any sense to me. So we must remain in the will of God and there is no time to leave it. And it's not worth leaving. We've existed, all of us in here have existed outside the will of God and it's not been very great on the other side of the fence. We must become comfortable in the will of God together, in His will. But how? I've talked about this often about who I am. I am not a person that can just hear a sermon and you need to do this like one of the things that drove me nuts growing up. Walk in the Spirit. They would read it. They would tell me to do it. I'm 13. How? Don't just tell me to do it. That's not how I work. Is anybody in here really good at somebody just saying, hey, do something you've never done before, and you're just like, heck yeah, let's do it. I have total understanding on how to do this. I would love to have a conversation with you. Mentor me. Show me how to do it. I'm not one of those people. I need to know how. I'm the guy that before a worship set, Kendall would ask what's on your heart. Kendall still does not like me for this moment. We're about to go lead worship. And I asked him, does God really love everybody? He's like, oh, dang it, Parker. Right before we go up, I just asked if you had a prayer request. But I, all that to say, I'm not good with just hearing what's supposed to be and just being good with that. I want to test everything. And this is no different. I want us to test everything. And I want us to have the how, because there are so many people that need to understand the how of the life that we are to live. How do you walk with the Spirit of God? How do you carry His presence? 
Is there ever going to be a fullness of understanding on how the creator of the universe that expands beyond the length of time, that contains the fullness of time within his hands, how we can carry him? No. That's one of the beautiful things about him, though, because we get to grow in understanding of him each and every day, never reaching the end of our journey. But all that to say, we are to remain in his will. We are supposed to remain in his will. There is There has never been a stage more set. Again, I've said this so many times, but I see it over and over and over again. If you are looking for God, He is not hard to find in West Texas. He is moving in power and in might, and He is is setting so many things up, and He is doing exactly what He promised us to do, what He promised us He would do. So with that being said, and recognizing how important it is for us to become comfortable in the will of God, how do we stay in the will of God. Well, God's will is for us to be sanctified. Again, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, this is the will of God, your sanctification, being set apart and made holy. And God's will is for us to rejoice. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16. Verse 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now just think about that for a second. The will of God is for you to rejoice always. And he doesn't desire that you muster up this ability to rejoice. That's not what he means. It's rejoicing. Again, we've we've talked about this word jubilee. If you look up the definition of rejoice, Jubilation is the definition for rejoice. And to have jubilee is to be overflowing with joy. So he is going to supply the joy that you would be overflowing, that you could live a life of rejoicing. That is his will for you. Can you imagine anything better? Can you imagine anything better than overflowing with joy every moment of every day for the rest of your life? That's the will of God for you. To rejoice. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. To have great joy, jubilation. His will, again, is that we would literally overflow into a physical expression of joy. So again, how do we stay here? How do we stay here? I need my phone. I forgot this part. I'm going to read part of this passage that Sarah shared with us. Sarah, what's the name of this book? Cool, good. Beholding and Becoming, for any of you guys that would like to look at it and read it for yourself. But listen to this. How do we stay here? If a follower of Jesus pursues such a definition of God's will for their life, all the other decisions will fall into place. In other words, God's will is for us to surrender and trust Him with our lives. Whom we marry, where we live, what job we take, how many children we have, how we pursue our dreams is not insignificant, but it is not nearly as significant as whom we aim to please as those plans are revealed. 
when we seek to please and honor Christ with our minds, with our bodies, with our lips, with our hearts, with our countenance, we won't depend on perfectly planned steps in order to walk confidently ahead. His will for our immediate and long term remains to walk with Him wherever He leads. So, Whatever it is, if you're asking the question why, or if you're asking what job am I supposed to take, what am I supposed to do, who am I supposed to marry, what car am I supposed to buy, I've had questions about that. I've had people come to me like, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I mean, okay, what are you looking at? Well, I need a new car, and I just don't know which one to get. I'm like, what? Just buy the car. Just get the, the thing that you need. God doesn't care. I've had this conversation with people about job. Sometimes does God want you to have a specific job? Yes. He'll lead you to it. Does sometimes he not care? Yep. That's all right. There's freedom in the will of God. When he needs you to do something specific, he'll tell you to do something specific. When he doesn't need you to do something specific, there is freedom to, in the will of God, do what you got to do. It's a beautiful place to exist. We are simply to remain focused on Him. I love that in this passage. If you just simply, if our focus and our aim is God and His heart, everything else falls into place. Everything else falls into place. I found my wife. I have come to this job. I have my children. My sister is here. Not because I made the decision that I was going to be a pastor. It's quite the opposite. I had no desire to be in ministry still sometimes have no desire to be in ministry. But I was with a group of men that desired to be where God was for them no matter what. And in that place, I found my wife. And I found Randy. I found this church. Everything that I have to this day, the dreams that I thought were long past would never come to be that are coming true right before my eyes as I live and breathe, All because my aim was on Him, not on trying to work these things out. I have a dream of having a little girl. I've got it. She's coming. It's not because, like, I held Sarah upside down, shook her, and then, oh, now there's a baby girl in there. Couldn't do anything of it. We We have land. We have horses. The Lord has just answered prayers that we had never considered but our focus was on Him and he, he gave us the dreams, the desires of our heart because our aim was on Him. All that to say, I can't, I can't and I'm not trying to give testimony and be like, Parker's doing awesome. Um, it's, I can't give any better testimony than my own. It's the only story I know really well. And I'm saying there have been so many times when my aim has been to try to work out God's will for Him. And then there have been times, so, so many times in youth ministry um, where I would, I knew what God wanted to build and then I would try to start building it and it would just fall apart before my eyes. Just incredibly uncomfortable. You guys know when you've tried to do something that you find out when you get there, this wasn't of God. There's a super awkward tension in that place when you're like, this is totally going to fail. Because God is not in it. I had so many of those moments uh, as a youth pastor. So I've, I've learned the hard way so many times in this. But if our focus and our aim is Christ in His heart, 
that He would come as He desires and He would take what He requires, whatever He would require. And if our heart is yes and amen, everything else falls into place and we remain in the will of God always. Turn with, turn with me to Acts 5, verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. The apostles simply had their eyes fixed on Jesus, pursuing Him. We see in the very beginning when, when the upper room happens in Acts 2, verse 2, and the Holy Spirit enters the picture for the first time, and these people receive the Holy Spirit. Peter did not have planned that day to go out and deliver a message that would lead 3,000 people to walk with Jesus. That was not in his schedule. He simply was fixed on Jesus walking in obedience, praying that what Jesus said would happen would happen. That's why they were gathered in the upper room. They were interceding, praying for what the Lord said would be to be. And in that moment, as people saw these people begin to speak in different tongues, and they thought they were drunk, Peter began to speak and delivered a message that brought about thousands upon thousands of people coming to know Jesus, being rep repenting and being baptized, and then the church of Christ was born. Christians now existed. Followers of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. This existed not because He had a plan to do this, not because He had set up this really cool event, but because He existed in the will of God, freely in the will of God, his eyes were fixed on Jesus and because of where his eyes were fixed, everything else worked out. Because you know that had to be a question of what do we do now that Jesus is gone? How do we build a following now that the guy they're supposed to be following is gone? Do you have a good answer to that question? I don't. They were followers of Christ who the world just saw crucified. How do we build this following? And he rose from the dead and there were, there were over 500 people that saw him risen from the dead as he was just walking around the city casually. And in this place, they're still wondering because now he's gone again. He's left again permanently this time until he comes back to bring us all home. He had left to go be with his father and he sent the helper. And they're sitting here wondering, how do we build this following? How do we tell people about Jesus now that Jesus is gone? Because they had told people about Jesus the entirety of their walk with him because he was right next to him. He's like, watch, yeah, this is Jesus. Watch him perform a miracle. It was really easy to build this following. Now it was over. But because their eyes were fixed on Jesus, trusting him, trusting him, we want to ask why. We want to ask why. But we need to simply trust that He is for us and not against us. Tr 
trust that He works all things for the good of those that love Him. There's this song I was listening to this week, uh, and I think there's a sermon in here, so you get a little preview, but the song is literally, you can have it all, Lord. That's the main line. For some reason, that just hit me. You can have it all. Ooh. There are things that I am not comfortable giving Him. Right? There are things that I'm not... I've got some stuff that it's like, I've waited a long time for this. I'm not giving it back. Right? We all do that. We all do that. There is a lot of stuff that I don't want to give, and it was just... I was this moment of reflection this morning as I was just sitting with him. Do I, could I sing that and really mean it? And then I start thinking, how could you not look at all that he's done for you? How could you not be like, yeah, you're way better at stewarding the gifts that you give me than I am. So just continue to take authority over them and use them as you need to use them. Give, give them to whoever you need to give them to. Do whatever you need to do with them because they're yours. You gave them to me and you've stirred me well and you've, you've done amazing and profound things in my life. So why would we t- want to take ownership of something again that he gave in perfect timing? And do you guys see what I'm saying? It should be so easy for us to say, have it all. Of course, duh. But we don't. And this is part of the issue with staying in the will of God is we are so quick to forget all that he's done. All that he's done. I encourage a lot of people to do this. I do this. I, I keep the things that he has spoken to me, to this house, to my family. I keep them on hand. So I can read them. I heard this Bill Johnson, who's the apostle, or not the apostle, the pastor at uh, the Bethel Church in, in Redding, California. Uh, one of his pastors has just given testimonies. They're on a plane. He's reading this book. Like, what are you reading? He said, oh, these are all the prophecies the Lord has spoken over me. Like, why are you reading that? He said, because I don't want to forget them. I don't want to miss them when they come. But what it does is it keeps you grounded that you would remember who this God is that you're trusting and why you trust him. And then it's not easy to not trust him. It's, it's very easy to actually give him everything in your life in these places, in these moments. It's easy to give it, give it all to him. And then we remain in the will of God for our lives. We stay there. The last thing that we see in this passage in Acts, the evidence of them being in the will of God is that it was, their to, it was their delight to follow Jesus. To pursue His heart wherever it may be. They desired His heart over their own lives. And many of them were killed. And they were in these moments where they had an opportunity to renounce Him, to deny Him, and they refused because they desired the heart of God. They desired the heart of King Jesus more than they desired their own lives to continue on. So I would ask you this question, where is his heart in your story? Where would his heart have you be? Pursue him and love him above all else, then pay attention to where you find your heart located, and you will always find it in the will of God. 
if your aim is always fixed on him and his heart. Whatever he would have you do. And it's so simple. How do I, how do I fix my gaze on him and everything that he would have happen in my life? How do I keep my focus on him? It starts by just keeping your heart in this place of yes and amen. It's so simple. Every day when you wake up, is your heart in this place of yes and let it be? I say yes to whatever God has for me today. I say let it be to whatever God has for me today. And in that place, pay attention to what you find your heart drifting towards. If He's the delight of your life, it will be, it will drift to where His heart is for you. I remember so clearly when we were in Nacogdoches, um, before we moved out here, I knew where the, hearts, where the heart of the Lord was for me. It was out here in Sundown, Texas. And, but I wasn't here yet. I still had to graduate school. And I remember that last semester was so difficult because I just did not want to be there anymore. And this was a place that just months ago I loved and I never wanted to leave. But the heart of God was not there for me anymore. It's so, so many of our questions that we have that cause us to leave the will of God are fixed when we simply place our gaze and our trust in Him, focus on His heart and what He has for us, whatever it may be. You will always find yourself in the right place if your aim is His heart. You will always find yourself in the right place. You will always find yourself in the will of God. You will never leave it if your focus is only Him and always on Him, if your aim is always on Him. And we now more than ever must remain in the will of God together. That the shadow that casts off us may heal the sick and raise the dead that the people that encounter us because we're in the will of God may be drastically and completely transformed. That they would find and encounter in us and through us who they were made for, who they were created for. But they will not do that if they find us outside the will of God. They must find us and encounter us within the will of God. Stop asking why. Stop focusing on the things around you and how you're going to manage it all and just focus on Jesus and watch as everything falls into place. He has not made this life to be a difficult one to handle and manage. He has given us every good gift and perfect gift. It has come from Him. He works all things for the good of those that love Him. There are difficult times for all of us ahead. Yes, we're not to escape that. But He will will always work Every circumstance for the good of those that love Him. He has not made this life to be a difficult one to remain in. He has not made it is to be. How hard is it to encourage your kids to play in the backyard? It's not difficult for us. This week, the kids were jumping on the trampoline. It was like, it was. I mean, it's dark at 6.30, so it's not really that late. But they're jumping on the trampoline at 6.30. It's, it's pitch black outside. We're about to call them in because it's pitch black outside. They're still playing. It's not hard to exist in the will of God. He has not desired it and made it for us to be difficult. But we've got to stop asking and trying to manage that which we are not meant to ask and manage and allow Him to do what He desires to do and just make it simple for us. Focus on Jesus and only on Jesus. Focus on Him. Have your aim be to walk with Him, to trust Him, that He would do what He desires to do in your life and that He would come however He needs to come and He would do and take 
and require anything and everything that he requires and needs to take. If that is the standard in your life, you will never leave the will of God. You will always find yourself there. And then imagine now if we grow in the will of God together. What do we get to build if we exist in the will of God together? Not individually, but corporately. Not just individually, but corporately in the will of God. And we are comfortable, all of us, in operating in the will of God. What does that life look like? What does the world around us look like? It will look like the kingdom. It will look more like the kingdom than it does a city and a state and a country. It will look more like the kingdom, but it starts with us remaining in the will of God. And there is, there is a day coming and is here now where there is so much urgency and the Lord is begging us to remain in because there is so much He desires to do and there's little time to do it. And He desires to move in power through His people, but we have got to stay in the will of God. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.